0: I am here this morning because I am passionate, and I do feel like I've had some experience and exposure to this whole boy-girl thing. And the reason is because I have three children. I have a boy-girl and a boy, and my oldest two are 16 months apart, boy-girl. So we so often found, and still do, that in our training of our children with those two especially, So often we've ended up doing things sort of in tandem, training in tandem, back to back, just in reverse, and it happens a lot, especially when it comes to this whole being a lady, being a gentleman thing. And and it's been actually very, very helpful because I've been able to gain perspective almost immediately with with one or the other, and. It's funny, you know, I was thinking about this, and it's so true. I mean, I can remember being at the park and yelling at my son, You get up that slide! Can I, can I go up the slide? And you bet you can! Go! Climb! You Come on, uh, be careful, be careful, but you can do it. And he's climbing, you know, three stories down this gigantic, crazy slide, and I'm at the end just praying he makes it to the bottom, but I've got to let him try it anyway. And my daughter's rolling in the dirt, and I'm saying, Don't do that, that's unlady like your panties will show. You know, and so I know many people call this the double standard, but the older I get the clearer it becomes to me that where men and women are concerned it more often is simply God's standard it is a fact boys and girls are different and so it would make sense and it does to me make sense that there should be some differences in how we train them to fulfill God's design for the roles they'll play as men and women but because our society rarely factors I think this is just my opinion but I really think society rarely factors in God's design in raising our children when it comes to raising our children so we often find ourselves at the mercy of that great big cultural tidal wave. And one category that's really on my heart that stands out is this whole relational category of men and women and how they relate and teaching our children what those roles look like. And um I know it's really hard to imagine your preschooler being someone's wife or someone's husband or having a family or even dating somebody, but it does, it happens really fast. One day it's on you and it's there. And honestly, I really do wish that when I had been a young mother, someone had painted this broader picture for me because all I could see was how cute they were. And I I had a hard time thinking beyond the fact that one day they would be functioning adults and so what would they what would that look like because i've just found myself so swamped from the day to day just trying to keep my head above water you know don't touch that don't no no you know just overwhelmed quite honestly most of the time and so this would have really helped give me some perspective so one day it does come and um, part of our responsibility, I think, as seriously committed lovers of the Lord Jesus Christ is to equip them with the knowledge and the understanding of God's unbelievably perfect design, especially as it relates to them relating to one another, members of the opposite sex. Now, I know you're thinking, okay, you know what, we've got plenty of time for this, they're little, they're barely, they're just in diapers, I don't even want to think about it. I just want to be in my happy place about that. Because, quite honestly, if I just don't think about it, it will never come. And I can tell you it comes, and a lot of y'all who have toddlers or even preschoolers can probably tell stories. It does come quicker than you think. I will never forget, my oldest was probably four. We were sitting on the couch because Brett's mom and dad, it was Christmas time. And they had said, okay, we think it'd be so great. Can you just show them some catalogs, sit with them, and have them point out a couple of things they like that we might be thinking about for Christmas gifts because they lived out of town which, by the way, was an ethanine thing to do. I do not suggest it because it creates this huge consumer monster, which we didn't realize what happened, but it did. So we had a lot of, we went back and re, a lot of retraining went on there. But anyway, um, so I did. I sat down with it, with our little magazine, and we're going through it, and I'm pointing out things. What do you? We're snuggled up. It's so fun. And I'm thinking, I love my little boy, and I'm saying, I'm saying, what about that? Do you like that? Mm, no. How about? Oh, how about that? Mm, know, keep flipping the pages, and he goes, I like that, and I was like, oh, good, I look down, and it's this little blonde, and she's displaying the toy, and I know, can you, my, oh, let me tell you, I wanted to call right and go, no, hormones are here, at five. this is so wrong, so unfair, I was totally unprepared, but what I didn't, you know, what once I pulled Together and quit, you know, gasping for air. It dawned on me, you know what? Bless his little precious soul, God. This is exactly how God has wired my little man. This is him. This this is part of how God has wired the man, and it's here. It's here the minute they come out of the womb, and I began to rejoice in it, and I began to suck up and go. This is a big responsibility as a mother. Wow. And I remember being just somewhat stunned by it. Sobered by it, actually. So it starts early. The attraction is strong. It is inevitable. And in the hands of the enemy, it is highly dangerous. Satan, you all, we know this. He is a murderer. He is a liar. He's an accuser. He's an imposter. And he is an enemy of the truth. And when it comes to male and female roles, I really think he works overtime. Over the years I have noticed, and maybe it's just me, and sometimes I do wonder, I think I probably think too much, but I have noticed this very um, specific and disturbing pattern that I really think has a profound influence on our children, especially our boys. Um, And many of these children that it's had an impact on are now in their 20s and 30s. And as I talk this morning, many of you are going to go, you know what, that's me. That's the mindset I was unwittingly trained by. Um, And here it is. It used to be, in society in general, particularly reflected in the stories that were told and printed. And we all know this. And, And there are still some of these stories out there where the fair maiden is waiting for her prince charming. She's, she's relatively helpless and she's feminine and she's waiting for her daring, dashing prince to just come riding up and rescue her. And it's, it's a beautiful story. But what we see all too often today, I think now the fair maiden, for whatever reason, is taking matters into her own hands. She's gotten tired of waiting on the daring prince. Or maybe it's because the Daring Prince, for whatever reason, isn't even coming. Maybe he's not all that daring after all. And instead, he's sitting at Starbucks with his buddies going, you know what, that search and rescue thing, I'm not about that. That's just too much work. And so, as I ponder this, I think, now, I'm not a a statistician or whatever. I'm not a, a doctorate, I have a doctorate degree or any of that in numbers. But I am really curious um I don't know which came first, the chicken or the egg. I don't know if the fact that the aggression and the boldness that we see in females you know, has caused this passivity in the male or vice versa. I don't know I don't know which maybe has caused the other, but all I know is that this role reversal thing, if we really study it, um, is a problem. And this trading places hinders our children, as they grow up and develop from pursuing God's intended design. One thing I noticed when I was um, younger and my kids were little, um, there's a certain, won't mention any names, but there's a certain well-known producer of children's films, plush toys, and theme parks that produces quite a few movies. And um, I started noticing when I would plug these movies in how many, here's my pattern I noticed, so many of them had this same recurring theme of sort of the, they were targeted toward female audiences, and and you still see this pattern now, it's even bigger, Um, with the weak, the stupid, the well-meaning but incompetent male was always present, present, and typically it was an authority figure. Now just think about this for a minute sometimes it was you know the man that she was pursuing or was pursuing her but most typically it was an authority figure like her dad Um, and the competent industrious emboldened female kind of had to take over has to somehow for some reason take charge and you see it in so many I'm going to give you a few examples Beauty and the Beast I love Beauty and the Beast but Belle's dad bless his heart is the absent professor who Belle really needs to constantly rescue and help um, Little Mermaid Her King Triton is definitely not a feminized man in appearance but he's weak in his authority and Ariel by golly has to just tell him that this is just nonsense I want legs so she you know swims off um, and it goes on and on and on Pocahontas you know you look at her dad Aladdin well Aladdin is really not about Aladdin Aladdin is really about Jasmine um, and it goes on and on and then move on get just pretending. Let's just become a man. Let's just wear his clothes and and make everybody think we really are one. And and this, y'all, it really started to bother me because I thought, I don't want my... I don't want her waiting in her castle, my daughter, for her prince to come, but I don't want her... I don't want her emboldened to the point that no man wants to have anything to do with her because he's scared of her. So I really started processing how... How to approach this. Even now, I have a tween. My third child is 12. He's a teenager, what we call him. And, um, you know, he'll sit and watch TV, and when he turns on the Disney Channel, and I know your children are too young for the Disney Channel, you would be so surprised how many of those Disney Channel specials, the Disney for TV movies, are all about a girl. She's. She, it's all about her. It's her story. And everybody else, all the other characters in the story are merely there to kind of facilitate her experience. And you see it over and over and over. There are some rare exceptions, but you see it a lot. Now while I think, and I'm going to tell you honestly, I do really from my heart think that a lot of the attitude changes toward females have been beneficial to us and they were necessary. And I do think that the, the girls we are seeing have many more opportunities for um, success and employment and all kinds of advantages and I think a lot of that is really, really, really good. But here's, here's really what I want you to understand. We need to be very, very careful as mothers. And I, and I, I want to I read this because I, I liked what I wrote. But mm-hmm. I don't want to get it wrong. Um, we want to be really, really careful communicating the message of empowerment to our daughters. The most noble aspiration for our daughters and for our sons, all of our children, is not that they pursue their dreams at any cost because they deserve it, but that they pursue God's heart at any cost because He deserves it. And I I think if we're not really careful, we who have been subliminally, probably, trained as ourselves to follow in this pattern, just what are we passing down to our children? Girls are acting more like traditional males more than ever before, and boys are being browbeaten to the corner of the ring. And that's not what God has. For either of them, it would be really interesting, and I've often thought about this to to, um, look into how much marital conflict, if you could, I mean, if you could, you know, track it to this, how much marital conflict can be traced to this shift in thinking, and my guess is that quite a bit of it could be. And y'all might be sitting out there and as you're listening, it would be and I think when we break into groups it'd be a great opportunity to really discuss this. How have I myself been influenced by this thinking? I've never really thought about it before. But even in my marriage are there signs of this. Because with your children, your role is to be a model. And if if this is not something you've thought about, it would be, I think, so worth your while to spend some time parked on and think about. And then talk about it with your husband. Maybe with your um, girlfriends would be a good topic of discussion. Um, this is not really a new thing. I want to make sure you know that. You know, scripturally, it's all through scripture. The Old Testament kings, think about what really who came to my mind first was Ahab and Jezebel. We have to kind of shift gears a little bit. But Ahab was actually a really weak king. And Jezebel completely wore the pants in that family. And she wasn't the only strong woman in the Bible, but she clearly, um, you know, was a woman who was scornful, manipulative, um, and she really undermined her husband in her aggressiveness. Um, and while this scenario existed all throughout history, it's been there all along, um, we really mustn't miss. Seeing this particular trend of the feminization of men for the trouble that it can bring. Steve Ferrar, I'm going to, this is so funny, I don't know if y'all have ever, because you're a female, you may not have ever picked up this book and your boys are probably way too young for you to really be thinking about it at this point, but King Me is a book that Steve Farrar has written and um i got to read this. Little, it's so funny. He talks about this whole feminization, and it's so interesting because I've thought this for a long time, and I was looking through this book, and I thought, here, he's put it in print. So it validated my thinking a little bit. Um, he talks about this whole feminization of boys, and he kind of talks about why he thinks it's happened and all this, but it's so funny. He tells this story. He ties a lot of this into the fact that... Boys spend more time in our modern day with women than boys of old did. And, and And that's an interesting concept if you think about it. But by the time they were seven years old, they were being the transition was being made. They were switched. They were removed from the nursemaid or the mother or the nanny teacher or the nursery to uh, a mind of war. They were, they were able to take, I even think ADD, ADHD. Jack could talk about a lot of things while I'm here. <laughs> but these little boys that have been labeled that, you know, they really may be whatever. I'm not, a, I'm not a psychologist. However, if you really think about how many outlets the warrior type boy has been given, it's very, very few outlets for that kind of behavior and that's how God for a lot of them that's how God's wired them anyway here's a funny story he says um, that he lived in Texas for all of his life and he bought some you know cows and bulls and um, he said a few years ago he bought two pregnant cows six months later another cow showed up four weeks later a baby bull showed up That's when life got interesting. Before that baby bull showed up, I would walk across the pasture, and the last thing on my mind was cows. But once the baby bull got about six months old, I couldn't walk across that pasture without thinking about him. That little bull thought he owned the pasture, and he didn't like me coming onto his turf, so he would charge me without warning. I used to enjoy walking across that pasture, and so did my wife. But the bigger that bull got, the less I enjoyed the pasture. This little bull was too aggressive. He wouldn't be quiet, he wouldn't be calm like the three females that shared the pasture with him. He was ruining my evening walks with his aggressiveness and willingness to do battle. He wouldn't cooperate like the other cows. So I made a call to the vet. Three days later, when I drove by the barn, there were two testicles hanging from the fence. That night, I walked in the pasture and the bull didn't charge me. He looked at me slightly cross-eyed, but he didn't charge. He had been castrated. He was now just like his mother. And from that day on, he acted like his mother. Isn't that interesting? I think that's kind of a funny story. But it's it's painful when you translate it into, in the terms of our children. Now, we don't castrate boys. Um, but I do think we feminize them. And we do it without even knowing it. The media does it. Um, the education system does it he brings up another point that I think is I've always thought this because I've watched my boys in classrooms you think about this from the time they are in preschool from the time they graduate high school who are they predominantly with all day long? women teachers and they are told to sit behind those desks and they're told to be quiet and be still and they are rewarded for behaving like a like what? the quiet, studious, obedient female and they are, they are punished for behaving otherwise. So this is just a constant reinforcement of that same theme. Um, okay, now here's where we transition. If the feminiza- feminization of men really has happened, if it's really happening, and it does indeed come in large part as a result of boys being primarily in the presence of women rather than men. Then what, if anything, can we do as mothers, women, to foster our son's natural God-given manhood? Isn't that a great question? And then for the, the flip side of that with our girls what can we do to be teaching our daughters to be godly responders in their pursuit to fulfill God's design for them to be helpmates suitable what I did was I came up with a chart and I don't know if you all have paper to take notes or whatever but um, I don't have anything to you know write it up here but visually I kind of thought about this and I, I made a chart and I put boys on one side and girls on the other side and I thought through, categorically speaking, some of the kind of just a few highlights, big category things that first came to my mind when I thought about training my boy to be the man God would have him be, and training my daughter to be the, the female counterpart for a husband one day, if God will. And this is what I came up with. Under the boy category, I came up with the category of leadership. And I came up with a category of warrior's heart, self-control, and communication. My oldest son is 18. He'll be 18 in about a week. And so I basically have a man, you know, living under my roof. I have two men living under my roof, my husband and my oldest son. And... Um, when I was writing these things I really was thinking about him he came to my mind because I don't know how it happened I can't tell you how it happened it's God's grace but he he really personifies these things as a young man and um I was thinking about him and thinking about my husband and how when I was newly married I remember thinking I wanted my son to be like him there were certain categories that I really loved and admired in my husband and I thought I I was logging him away all the time I want I want that for my son when my husband would do this or that for me, i think, oh, I want my son to think like that. I want him to move like that and, and be inspired in that way to, to do certain things. So it was always in the forefront of my mind. Um, and I'm going to tackle um, the boy one first, and then we'll go back to the girl. So under leadership, here, here were some of my thoughts. Um We talk about servant leadership, and I think sometimes our, our boys get the whole leadership thing a little confused with that, that pounding of the fist type of leadership, make you do things I want you to do type of leadership, and that's not what we're talking about. That's not what scripture talks about. Leadership in God's eyes is that servant leadership, and it's not a weak, run over me, do anything to me, I'm a servant leadership. It's... I am strong enough in who God made me to pursue others as first priority. That servant leadership, and it's an others-centeredness. And I, I, you know, I, if I had more time, we could come up with some real specific ways to help your little boy go that direction. But I think as I move through this, you'll get a, you may get a, a cleaner picture. Um, God's man is a leader who takes responsibility who is a protector, a provider, an initiator, and a planner. And one of the best umbrella examples I can give you that kind of encompasses these things, and I'll tell you, this is is kind of where I am right now. This is what goes on in high school. In the world of high school dances, and all these things are are evident here in this little example. There's a real trend. When I was in high school, the the boy asked, and he kind of planned what, what... who the group would be and what you would go do. And the girls kind of just nodded and said, okay, here's what's happening now. And this may, y'all may have been here. This This may not be as far removed from you as I'm thinking it is. But here's what's going on now. The girls might wait to be asked to homecoming. Most are still waiting for that. But then here's what happens. The girls begin to decide what, Other friends they want to be with at homecoming. They'd really prefer not to let the boy make that decision because then they might not be with the friends they want to be with at the homecoming dance and the dinner and the the picture house and all that. So the girls begin to concoct who they want to be with. And the girls get together and say, oh, you know what, we're going to take care of that. Well, let us do that. We'll figure out where we go to dinner and we'll figure out who we're going with. And the boys go, okay. And the boy moms go, okay, well, that's good. That's one less thing I have to do. I've got so much going on. That's awesome. So the mom's nodding her head to the whole deal, and the girls take the ball, and they run with it. And then the girls get to create, and the girls' mothers love it because the girls' mothers get a part in it, and they get their hands in it, and they go, so we get a saying where you go to general. We think you should go to, you know go to blah Wah Wah, whatever it is some great restaurant um, they're, they're buying I'm assuming they're still paying for it now see this is where they still pay for it but, but what, what happens is the girls and the girls mothers truly begin to move in and the boys are fine with it and the scarier thing is that the boys mothers are fine with it and I saw this happening and I was like Woo! put the brakes on that Ooh, uh-uh. You, you know, as my, my responsibility as a, as a woman and a mother is to train you to be a leader. So here's what we're going to do things a little differently. First of all, think through who you ask. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, this is your, your responsibility. You are the man. And this is not a real relationship, but this is a model, it's a small model, a piece of what a larger relationship looks like. You are the leader. So what I want you to do is you you figure out, you and the boys decide who will be in your group that goes, and where you eat, and how much you'll spend, et cetera, et cetera. And um, it's, been, it's been great, but it's been very eye-opening. And it all falls under that category of just protect and provide. And, you know, when, when um, Peter talks about the weaker vessel, he doesn't mean inferior in terms of our intellect or our moral standing or anything. It's just that back I mean physically, he was in that specific path that he's talking about, physical weakness. We really aren't typically as big. It's a testosterone thing. God made us that way. Um... But there is, there is something in that protectiveness that we want to nurture and encourage in our boys. And this female thing that we have going like, we can do it all. We really have to be careful with it. I think our female indoctrinated, you know, females indoctrinated by this whole empowerment movement, we really rob our boys of the opportunity to rise to their manhood. And... Um, chivalry is dead we killed it and I see it in these high school boys they're very passive and they're happily, happily willing to let the girls take over and the girls do the, the next category is that whole warrior category I mentioned that boys were going off to war sooner they had more outlets but I see this whole warrior idea played out a lot in, um, I started thinking about actual warriors when they go out and what they, what they really do in battle, and I, I decided that basically they were skilled in the use of their weaponry. Well, I think y'all probably know this. The only offensive weapon mentioned in Scripture is what? Do y'all know? So, yes, Scripture. It's the Word of God. It's the only offensive weapon. God calls all of us to use it well, but it's particularly important for our boys to know Scripture and to know it well and to be able to use that weapon what fabulous imagery God chose to use when he painted the picture of the armor of God what, what little boy does not totally ji haw with that you know um, what a great place to start and, and the whole story of David and Goliath and using the armor of God is just such a great place to start with our boys to, to ingrain in them that whole idea of you are meant to battle it's a great, great thing Um, Speaking of battle, as mothers, somehow, this is an, an important topic, but giving them confidence in battle. If a warrior is not confident in battle, he will die. So as mothers, what can we be doing to train our little boys to be confident in that spiritual battle? Well, first of all, we have to identify that it is a spiritual battle. It's not just... Cowboys and Indians It is a real serious spiritual battle So what can we do to equip Them to pursue it with their whole heart And to jump into the fray One of the things I've noticed A lot of times as females um, I think we're all At one time or another guilty of this And that is allowing our Fear of certain things to um, Influence our desire Or our ability to say yes you can do that and I know I struggle with this because I'll see my boys do honestly what I would think to be the dumbest things and I think how could you possibly have not known that would have taken your finger off you know and um, I have to always stop myself and think and Brett's so good about this for me because I'm always thinking, no, no, no! They can't go outside and light a bonfire in the driveway. I'm not sure how small it is, you know. Um, but I have, but he always stops me, and he always just is so calm, and he says, "This is a controlled fire." You know, in, in the bigger picture of things, this is under control, but it's necessary. And the whole playing on the playground, don't hurt yourself. There's got to be a balance between logic, common sense, don't do that. And hmm, how, how can I facilitate your doing that in a world of safety that you are unaware of? In a, with a safety net that you may not know is there. And so we're constantly looking for that in all those opportunities. How can I say yes? How can I say yes? Because there's going to be a day that you've said no for so long that they stop even trying. And oh, y'all, you don't want that. Um, I have um, a memory of my oldest son. I think it's just um, true confessions. I woke him up on a regular basis for. Years And it never occurred to me, this is my, my bad, it never occurred to me that he could wake himself up with an alarm clock. I don't know why it didn't, but it didn't. I had just gotten so in the habit of doing, because as a female, that is my nature. Nurturer, caregiver, making sure the house is, making sure everybody is where they have to be, doing what they have to do, eating what they have to eat, on and on it goes. So it really flipped my mind that he could be doing that himself. He was like in eighth or ninth grade, eighth grade probably. Before it really dawned on me, and I went, oh, "That's so freeing." You mean you could be just punching the button and waking up yourself? Okay. So we changed gears, and you know he wakes himself up now. But that's a little bitty thing. But but you're young enough, and your kids are young enough that you can be forward thinking in that. Just be prepared for those kinds of things to come down the line because they will. So let them do. Give them chances to do, and be their cheerleader, and, and help them succeed in those in those opportunities to try. Um, this helps them to learn to be strategic. It helps them learn to plan. It helps them learn what it's like to fail, and move through it and try it again. All very helpful. Self control is a biggie. Um, Boys tend to have temper tantrums, and girls do too, but boys can be angry. When want to teach them you can be angry and not sin. Um, the, the big the big category under self-control is obviously sexual purity. If they have not learned how to delay gratification early, I can guarantee you there are going to be some sexual issues that they struggle with when they get to be young men. Teaching them how to control and delay that gratification goes such a long way in every other area of their life. When our, I think we were, I think um, our oldest two, Cole and Anna, both were um, seventh, some sixth, seventh grade, somewhere in there. We took them both on our purity weekends. I know y'all know all about the purity weekend Uh, we did passport to purity there are many out there now and there will be more by the time your kiddos get that age but we loved passport to purity and it really was an entire weekend but it's a curriculum and everything is everything is mapped out for you Uh, even even the days of preparation ahead of time are mapped out what to do but you it's it's a weekend to take them away and not just have the one sex talk but it's more opening the door to the future for the rest of their lives of sex talks it's the beginning of the rest of all the sex talks you'll have and that's the concept I love it's not the one and only and um you know, that's something, to, again, to log on and consider. And I began, Brett and I both began talking about sex in the minute they could comprehend, just in ways they could understand. We used neutral items like flowers and and nature, and I never missed an opportunity to start talking about God's design and how it works. And um, you don't have to be explicit, and you always want to be sure to give them just what they can handle um, in a neutral context. Um... But, but in that you're, you're dropping little droplets into the bucket of their un- greater understanding of what their bigger purpose is and then the last thing under boys is communication y'all the, the greatest gift you can give your son's future mother-in-law and daughter-in-law especially daughter-in-law is the gift of being able to communicate and I know boys don't typically do it well Across the board, but that's where you come in and you engage their heart and you begin to have those com- begin now to have those conversations with them. If they're not talking to you now, they never will. I mean, preschoolers just talk. You know, they love to talk about everything. So it doesn't really matter what it is. Just engage the conversation and keep it on the forefront of your mind. Engage, engage, engage love and laugh laugh a lot, I determined early on I would I was going to try to laugh with my child once a day. And I and I made a conscious effort. Have we been happy today at all? Or have I spent the whole day just exasperated out of my mind? And most of the time I was. But then I would think, Oh but I haven't I haven't shed any light or joy into their heart. I'm near I am the only female they're with right now. I want this female thing to be a happy experience for them. Yeah. So we did, so we did a lot of laughing. And we still do. I st- we still do. Okay. Now, for the, for the girls, let's, let's make a shift here real quickly. Under the girls, I had I a few more categories for the girls. And I probably could have listed more. But here's what I came up with off the top of my head. One was, um, I want my daughter to learn to be a responder. I want her to learn to be um, a helper. I want her to learn self control as well and how to communicate but I also want her to be modest. And the modesty kind of goes in both categories. But. Um, We talk about the responder part. I do not want my daughter to be a responder in the sense that she foregoes her leadership abilities. I happen to have a daughter who is. Have y'all read the? Um, is it the Treasure Tree that has all the personalities of the animals? Have y'all read that? No. Oh. Well, you need to read it. It's. I think. I think actually it's Gary Smalley and um, forgot who else wrote it. But it's four animals and each animal personifies a character kind of a character quality, the sanguine, it's similar to that, but it's more like the lion, the otter, the golden retriever. My daughter happens to be a lion. She is a natural born leader and without a mother who could build into her a tempering element of that leadership, she'd be walking all over every man she ever ran into and I, and I realized that early on, and I thought, oh my stars, okay, I've got my job cut out for me here, but she needs to learn what it is to have that quiet and gentle spirit. It doesn't mean that I teach her to be walked on, it means that I teach her the importance of otherness in such a way that she takes the security she has in herself and she foregoes it for the sake of another. That's what I'm teaching her to do. And it's been hard with her just given her personality but but I want to train her to allow boys to initiate and she's 16 years old so we are right, we are right there and I'm trying to train her how, and have been, for, I'm not training her now the training started when she was a preschooler um, how to let boys lead without telling them they are dumb and stupid and wrong <sighs> and we've had, you know, we've had a hard time with it because she is confident and she could run the whole household. I, when she was in kindergarten, we had her kindergarten teacher call me and her kindergarten teacher said, okay, Leanne, we got to talk about our little Anna. And I was like, oh, don't you hate those phone calls? I'm like, okay, what is it now? And she said, okay, one day she will be a fine teacher, but right now she needs to be a listener in the classroom. I'm like, okay, I'm sorry about that. So we've spent a lot of time on that and um, wonder where she gets that isn't that a scary that is a really painful thought Okay, the apple does not fall far from the tree um we started early with girls don't call boys they don't call boys now I know I could just get taken out up here with a lot of things that I'm saying because a lot of y'all were raised I know a little differently you were raised under the nuances of this new thinking um I was raised with you just don't nice girls don't call boys, and there are exceptions, and we we have worked at covering those exceptions. One real blessing that I've discovered with my teenagers is that they really have learned how to develop good, solid, healthy friendships with members of the opposite sex. In which case, there are plenty of appropriate opportunities where you do they're texting and they're talking all the time, but most of it is in terms of planning. And that's entirely appropriate. If the plans have been established and there's information that needs to be shared, by all means. But you don't call a boy and say, do you want to go to the movie? Maybe call me old-fashioned, but I, in that moment, I don't want her to get in the habit of taking that and robbing him of an opportunity he might have had to make the phone call. It's just really that simple. Um, think of the forward girl. I kept always telling her, you know, you just... You want to be the godly young woman who is pursued because of the qualities that are so effervescent in your heart. They are spilling out and they are attracting others. Not just boys, but everyone for Christ's glory. Um, Boys paying. I know going Dutch is a real big deal. the, The falling under the responder thing. There are plenty of opportunities now, and I tell—we've we've talked about this too—where everybody pays. And this whole group thing that everybody's doing now, you know, and have done for years, is just another trend. Is good in many ways because um, it keeps them from going off in rooms by themselves. But um, there's a lot about it that I have problems with as well. So I'm going to cover that in a minute. But the boys, I really think, have been trained to be passive. And because that's true, as a girl, it is that much more frustrating to wait for initiation. Being the responder is really difficult when there's nothing to respond to. So what you're up against with your daughters in, in and you, where your kids will be going is this very thing. You're teaching them to be this lovely young lady who waits on the manners and the chivalry of the young men who don't have a living clue that that's what they're supposed to be doing. And what's really frustrating for my daughter is that she's observing my son, my 18-year-old, doing it, I think, really well. And she comes to me and she goes, okay, that is not happening anywhere else but our home. <laughs> and I can't date my brother, so I am in a fix. <laughs> so we've had a lot of these conversations. And I my heart goes out to her, and I really... That's why y'all, as mothers of sons, i just been so... I, I'm really thrilled and excited and passionate about this. You have an opportunity to provide the world and the whole entire female population with young men who are daring and dashing and bold for the cause of Christ and who can take a woman and love her well. Oh, you! I mean, if you have been given a boy, God is saying to you, I think you can do this. It's a nod. It's his nod to you. The other thing I want to train my daughter to be is a helper. Like I told you, Anna could take charge, but she needs to learn to help. She needs to learn in, every, in a lot of situations. It is okay to help. It is not okay to always be the front of the line, to be the line leader. There are plenty of times that being in the back of the line is just as important to bring up the rear and to make sure no one gets lost, it is just as valuable. So building, building in the whole help, being a helper, not a nagger. And we, ha- we all can relate to that. Um, as grown women, we have a problem understanding how to be a helper and not a nagger. But if you're a nagger, what are you passing on to your daughter? What is she observing day to day? Is she, is she watching you follow your dad? Her dad around and around and around and around the island of I don't want to talk. Um, My fifth grade son, this is a cute little story. Speaking of being an appropriate helper, there's a little girl in his class this last year who was just naturally all that I'm telling you. She's naturally kind. She's one of these little girls that. Just was born on a different planet. She she really she's thoughtful of others. She's kind. A Christian home. She loves the Lord. Um, and my son is the warrior type. My youngest. He 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 came out kicking and screaming. And his desk is constantly a mess, and it was beginning to be a problem among the class, his classmates. So the teacher said, "You must keep your desk clean." And he's like, "I oh, know. No, I mean you really must. Or It's like I'm, I'm sending you home, or we're, you know, it's a huge problem." Well, this little girl is observing the whole thing, and one day, my son came home with this gigantic sucker, and I didn't think much about it, but I wondered where he got it. And I said, "Where did that come from?" And he said, "Oh, Meredith gave it to me." And I said, "Why?" And he goes, she's helping me. And I said, what's she helping you do? I, I was unaware of the desk situation. He explained it, and I said, so she's she's told you that if you can keep your desk clean for a week, she's going to reward you at the end of the week with something fun? <laughs> he goes, yep. <laughs> and I said, and you must have kept your desk clean this week because you got a sucker. He goes, yep. <laughs> Y'all, I laughed so hard I, for like for at least, if not more, four, five Six maybe weeks. On every Friday, he had a little bag with a darling note and a treat. <laughs> okay, if that does not if that does not teach us as grown women how to be a gentle, positive encourager, I do not know what does. <laughs> and you see it worked It worked. He came home every day happy as a clam. And there wasn't anything. There wasn't anything going on, I'm, because we know we keep real in touch with the families and our kids' friends, and it was it was truly out of love, out of sweet platonic agape love that she did this. And so, I it was such a blessing to me. But that is a helper. And that's what I want my daughter. I want my daughter to not be I, I don't want her to have these barriers up that say boys can only be boyfriends. You know. They they are only good for being attacked or or being or having sex. That that's not God's design. They're brothers and sisters in Christ. So there has to be a, a part of us that, that encourages them to relate. So and finally, with commit um, self-control, the tongue. I don't even have to. I don't even have to cover that one with y'all. But boys hate the wagging tongue, and we want them to be godly women who have godly things to say, or don't say it at all. And under communicating, teach them to be a listener. Teach them to listen and to communicate their heart in a way that's not, you know, wagging that finger. Um, modesty for both parties. We, we kept all of our dolls completely dressed. All the time. I know that sounds kind of funny. But I kept thinking in my mind, what a great way to train, subliminally train my daughter and my son that everyone should really always have their clothes on. <laughs> and if they don't, we don't look. Oh, let's make sure. them that Jenny's Anna had a Jenny. Let's make sure Jenny's got her PJs on. Your Cole might come in the room. Oh, okay. <laughs> it worked. It worked. So we, we we did that a lot. Do you walk around in your brawn underwear? Because you think they're too little? Do you lock your doors? Do you ask them to knock? You know what? We always knock. On a door, we never in anyone's home or at our house ever, ever, just walk in a door. We always knock. It's just polite. Uh, the reason we call privates private is private is because they're private. You know, there's some, there's an element of respecting privacy that comes in with modesty. Okay. As we teach our children to be these kind of individuals, we are training their heart to recognize these same qualities as being valuable in others. And that's what we want to do. We want our boys to be attracted to women who love Jesus, who are kind to others, who are obedient and respectful to authority, who honor you and others, and who are modest, who dress like mom. Do you dress like that? Don't tell them to to look for a little lady who dresses like you if you don't dress appropriately and I really want you to take that to heart you want, you don't want if you do not dress appropriately you should know you don't want them you don't want their heart following after someone who doesn't dress appropriately um, you do not want them following after their heart following after girls who are bossy who are gossip, who are disrespectful or careless with their words or actions who are aggressive see how that works, just back and forth um I have a, well, I didn't even get to that part. Okay, God just must not have wanted me to get to that part. I'm going I'm to close, I think, with this. Um, we always told our kids, when can, you know, they began to ask, when can we date? When can we date? And the bottom line was, you know what? If, if what you're looking for is someone to give you significance or a serotonin rush, you are not old enough to date. You're not old enough to do it. And this is it. The longer you can delay your child's dating exclusive, exclusively, the better chance they have of developing healthy attitudes toward members of the opposite sex and consequently healthier friendships with members of the opposite sex the other thing that's out there, y'all, I'll tell you is this whole boyfriend-girlfriend thing, and it starts in third grade. Not you used to bother me so bad because we really did sit down and develop a dating strategy. We really did have a plan. And we defined why we had our plan. That's really key. And, um, it always bothered. We, Brett came up with a slogan, Brigitte, don't date. And we would say it all the time. And the kids would just laugh. I think it was so funny. And Brett really meant it. And, um, and we kind of did really mean it, but we also were very realistic. And we knew that we would have to go with the flow that whatever God designed. But um, there did come a day where they began to ask about it more specifically. But our goal, and we knew that if we could transfer their thinking you know, shift it over to what to look for in a friend first, the rest of that would fall into place so naturally and they wouldn't have any hang ups about relating to members of the opposite sex. And they would begin to look for the right things. Um, I want my son to be like David. King David. I want my son King David was not a girly man. He played the harp, he wrote poetry, he sang and he danced but you know what else he did? He killed bears and giants with his bare hands. And he moved into circumstances with great courage. That's throw up for my sons. And as for our daughters, y'all, we have to really refrain from encouraging them and joining them in their dream that one day their prince will come. Their prince has come their prince has come his name is Jesus and when he returns he will be he will be on that white horse he will be everything they ever dreamed but uh, sorry I cannot I cannot tell you how passionate I mean I guess I can I'm clearly passionate about this um, join with them in recognizing who they have already in Christ. We did not ever want our kids to be defined by a relationship. We never wanted our kids to define themselves by who they were associated with. And when you date someone, that is what happens. We all know it. We've all been there. Um, We always wanted our kids to know and define themselves as who they were in Christ. And this is so especially true of our females of our daughters Um, he will be on that white horse and he will have all the bells and whistles and more that we could ever that they could ever in their wildest imagination dream up so um, I know it's our heart for our children to pursue just what God has for them but we have to be aware of what it is And we have to be committed to guiding them through it, and asking God daily, how how can I do that today? This is my responsibility to grow them well, so that eventually they can be used by you in the design of marriage, if the Lord allows it. And what a great no wonder marriage is a picture of the fullness of Christ, because when it's done well, it is a fabulous illustration, the best ever.